Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. All right, our sermon for today is found in Matthew 25, 31 to 46. It's a great scripture. We're continuing on in our sermon series this Lent season on hope. And this is a hope that we can share. This is a this is an opportunity for us to show compassion to one another in the world and and to care for those uh, in the midst of troubles. Uh, this is what it is. It's a hope that we can give. And it's uh, Christ's teaching here about the sheep and the goats. It's a parable, um, but it really teaches us the heart of what the Lord wants from his church. And so Matthew 25, 31 to 46, it says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give to you in thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I say, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't come and look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger needing clothes, sick or in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. There are two great sermons of Jesus recorded for us in this Gospel of Matthew. The first one is found at the beginning in Matthew 5 through 7, and it is called the Sermon on the Mount. It appears at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It opens up with the Beatitudes, things like, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart, etc. And then it gets into topics like being salt and light, or loving our enemies, or prayer, and so forth. And we talk about the Sermon on the Mount a lot in church. It's a really powerful teaching of Jesus. But often overlooked is the second major sermon of Jesus written in the Gospel of Matthew. And it comes at the end. It comes here in our scripture for today. It actually begins in Matthew 23 and goes all the way to Matthew 25. The sermon happens two days before Jesus would go to the cross. It's one of the last teachings of Jesus before his death. And Jesus begins the sermon in Matthew 23 talking specifically to the religious leaders in the temple. And he is really getting on them about their pride and hypocrisy and how they've neglected matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness. 
And then Jesus, right in the middle of his sermon, he literally walks outside the walls of the temple where he finished his sermon, talking to his true followers. In Matthew 24, he prepares them for the coming persecution. He talks about the troubles in the world that they're going to have to face until he comes again. And then Jesus ends his sermon in Matthew 25 with three parables about how we're to live up until the day that he comes back. The first parable tells us where to be ready and to make sure our heart fully belongs to Jesus and our lamps are always burning. The second parable tells us where to be faithful, serving God with the talents that he has given us. And the third parable, which is our scripture for today, is where Jesus tells us to be loving and to take care of those who are in need around us. And then this is how the sermon ends, with this call to serve the poor. And the church from the beginning embrace this idea to look after those that no one else was looking after. Back in that day, it was the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner. Jesus even says, what you do for them, you're really doing for me. And this is how the second sermon of Jesus ends, with this strong warning that when our king returns, he will know who is truly his, by how we treated those in need. The very next chapter is the Last Supper, and then Jesus is arrested in the cross, and so this is it. The final word. It's how we're to be ready, to serve faithfully, and to love until the day that he returns. We're to be ready, serve faithfully, and love, giving especially to the most vulnerable, the hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, and prisoner. This is what Jesus said the church is to do in the last days until the day he returns. Now, these words shouldn't surprise us. Jesus taught us the parable of the good Samaritan. He taught us the greatest commandment was to love God and to love our neighbors. And Jesus often quoted from the prophet Isaiah, where in Isaiah 58, it sounds a lot like Jesus's sermon right here. In Isaiah 58, it too opens with a rebuke to the religious, just like Jesus opened his sermon in Matthew 23. Isaiah back then said, declare to my people their rebellion and hypocrisy, similar words, how day after day they seem eager to know my ways as if they've not forsaken my commands. Just like Jesus, Isaiah speaks woe to the religious leaders. But then Isaiah 58 goes on to say, is this not the kind of fast I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of slavery, to set the oppressed free? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, provide shelter for the poor wanderer, to see the naked and clothe them, and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? If you do this, your light will break forth like the dawn and healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will shine around you. Isaiah in the Old Testament, just like Jesus here, is calling God's people to give themselves to the poor, the needy, the oppressed. And this is how the light of God will shine on them. Isaiah and Jesus both connect God's people 
with caring for the least of these. Not just fulfilling religious traditions, but having hearts full of compassion. This is who we are as God's people. This is what Jesus wanted us to be. It's a message we all need to hear, and it continued in other parts of Scripture too, like James 1.27, where it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Or 1 John 3, 16 to 18, where it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. If anyone has material possessions and sees someone in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words, but with actions and in truth. The Apostle Paul even spoke about this in 2 Corinthians 8 when he spoke about a church in Macedonia that was very generous. He said of them, in spite of severe persecution, they continued to have joy. And even in extreme poverty, they had rich generosity. Paul says, I can testify how they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So I encourage you to do as they, to excel not just in faith, speech, and knowledge of God, but also in giving, he says. We're to grow in the area of giving. This is what Jesus is talking about here in this sermon for us for today. How the church is to act in the last days. How we're to live in a world of many different troubles. We are to be the helpers. The hope givers. The ones who see the others. You know, the, the, the others that, that many people in the world don't see. We are to be there with the warm blankets and the bandages and the food and the water. And welcoming the strangers and, and visiting the prisoners. This is the church. Of Jesus Christ. It's where you should find us. Our witness must be more than just our religious traditions inside this building. We're to be known for what we do outside this building. For the hungry and the thirsty, the strangers, the naked, the sick and the imprisoned. This is where the ministry is. This is hopefully where you will find the followers of Jesus Christ. Bringing the message of the gospel to the lost and also the heart of it. To the needy. Jesus told his followers that they needed to be ready to serve faithfully and to care for the needy and hurting of the world. He's quoting the Old Testament, he's telling us what he cares about, and he even says, We will be judged on it. For what you do for them, he says, You're really doing for me. What you fail to do for them, you fail to do for me, he's saying. St. Francis of Assisi was a real guy who lived in the 1200s, and he came from a rich family. But he looked all around him in the world that he lived at incredible poverty, right in Europe and in the Middle Ages, and he saw, you know, that most people were poor. But the church was rich. 
Priests wore fancy clothes. They gave seats of honor to the rich nobles right out front. They built very wealthy cathedrals. While just steps outside their door, people were starving in their own town. Kids were parentless. Plagues were killing many. Where was the love of Jesus for the hungry, the orphan, the sick? So instead of preaching about it, he just became the answer. He became a priest and he gave away his fortune. He lived a simple life among the people. He taught them the scriptures and loved them with a Jesus love. He became known for it. He once said that for him, the poor were sacramental. What he meant was that when we serve the poor, we're really serving Jesus himself. It's as if Jesus is looking back at us through their eyes, he said. He saw Jesus in the poor. And that's what Matthew 25 says. What you do for the least of these, you really do unto me. This is a message for each of us. Because Jesus told us in the last days, with the increase of wickedness and selfishness in the world, that the love of most would grow cold. Matthew 24, 12, you know, that's what it says. And, and we can see that in the world. We see that today. We maybe even fear that that is happening in our own hearts, that in these days we're starting to lose compassion like we once had. We're starting to be less patient with people around us, less kind, less empathetic to others. Love can grow cold. If we don't keep showing it, if we don't keep doing it, it's like a fire that can go out in us. And we don't want that. We can become self-absorbed or greedy or just stop caring, stop feeling, stop looking, stop seeing. We can become bitter in these days or arrogant in these days. And maybe we have experienced, you know, uh, uh, where we've served and, and people have taken advantage of that. Or we, we feel, you know, underappreciated or we feel that other people should be doing more. And, and as true as some of this all may be, it can become the reason we do nothing and our love begins to go cold and, 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 and our loving heart is taken over by a judgmental spirit or a hardened heart towards the ones that Jesus wants us to care about. This was the Pharisee in Jesus' day. They had many right reasons why not to help somebody. And let's be honest, if you think about it long enough or you look too closely at any one person, you can find reasons to do nothing. None of our lives are perfect and worthy, yet still Jesus said we're worth saving. And in this grace, we are to look upon one another and show mercy. There is a teaching, of course, in the New Testament that if a person has family nearby, that family should first care for the widow in need and not just the church. The family should shoulder some of the burden. Another scripture says that if we're able to work, we should work. And sometimes, though, you know, as we, we know those scriptures in the Bible, even the one that says you'll always have the poor among you, sometimes we can use those scriptures, though, to, again, do nothing. We can be too quick to judge someone by that and not quick enough just to be full of grace, generosity, and give. And I can be the first to do this. But I'm learning that sometimes the Lord, he just wants me to give. 
you know, even to somebody who may not deserve it. I, I am to err on the side of grace, to be generous to all, because who knows? We never know if this might just be the time that God uses this simple act of kindness or this generosity of a church to change a heart. Maybe the giving is even a test at times for us, just checking our heart, seeing if we'll just obey God and put another ahead of ourselves. Well, Jesus' parable for us today about the sheep and the goats, it's pretty serious. I'm often struck by the harsh words that Jesus uses. He doesn't just encourage us, you know, when we think about it, to give, but he commands it. And he says that the reward for those uh, who do is paradise, but the punishment for those who don't is separation from God. Jesus is serious on the topic of giving. He says that he will know who his true follower is, his sheep, by how they treated those around them. The people who love the hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, stranger, and prisoner, they're his true followers. We are to be a people who give. It's been a few years now since I've told you the story about the boy who gave me the wooden top. I've told you this story a dozen or so times, and most likely you could tell it right back to me. Most likely you're sick of hearing it, for I have thought many times about this worthless old top and have shared it with you that I was given when I was 12 years old. I received it as a gift from a child in Ecuador, and I've thought over the years, why does this thing matter so much to me? Why do I always share this story? We all have stories that are important in our lives, and maybe we, we think about them a lot and we tell them any chance we get. Well, why is this one so important, this boy who gave me this little wooden top? You know, why does it speak to me? For my family, uh, for those of you who haven't heard, my family was visiting a poor area in Ecuador that my dad's work, Compassion International, was helping. And I was 12, and my, my sister was 9, and we were playing with the kids in a village where my parents were working. And this, this boy, my age, and I were playing with this top, you know, just a, a normal little top with a string. And, and, and when it was time for us to go, the young boy just looked at me, and he looked at the top, and he just said, here. And he put it in my hand. I remember that. And I took it because I wanted it. I liked it. And I don't think I even considered what he had done. I probably didn't even say thank you. I can't remember. But when we got into the canoe and we were paddling out and back to where we came from, the missionary looked at me and said very gently, you know, that is a big gift you got there. That was probably his only toy. He must have thought a lot about you. And that is all she said. And right there in that canoe... I had a God moment in my life, maybe the first big one in my life. In that canoe, I looked down at that toy totally different from just a moment before. I suddenly saw its worth. And even today, I have never been able to match that gift. I've never been able to repay it. And every time I think about giving, I always think about it. I always think about the cross and I always think about that wooden top. Isn't that interesting? But here is the thing. I think I've come to realize that that boy gave it to me because he thought more about me than about this thing. 
this thing was just a thing to him. And even though he didn't have many things, he saw I liked it, and so he just gave it to me. We tend to think more about things than we do of others, and we hold on to our things. He didn't. What he had, he freely gave. And I think this is why this event in my life has always made me think of Jesus and how he lived. For what he had, he freely gave, even his life. And this is the heart of what Jesus is trying to teach us in this scripture about the sheep and the goats and giving to those in need. It's about what it means to be his follower in the world. We're to live and look at our stuff like this to freely gave. What if I just gave my car to someone who needed it more than me? I have two of them. What if I had space in my house and I just gave it to somebody who needed a place to stay for a while? What if I didn't think about how that would inconvenience me? What if they mattered more to me? What if I could give a couch or an extra bed or some blankets or some food? What if I looked at my stuff differently? I have so much of it. Why do I have so much when so many others have so little? Maybe in the hopes that I will share. What if I could share some of the love and the forgiveness that I have received from the Lord and others? Share it with someone who hasn't experienced love or forgiveness. Maybe I could share that. Maybe they haven't had someone pouring into them kind words over them or giving them a chance. I've had so many chances given to me. Maybe it's a child who didn't have parents like I did. Maybe it's a person whose job isn't going that great. How can I make it a little better for them today? What about a person who needs a friend or a family who needs a home or a grandma who needs a visit? I mean, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is what we are called to do as the body of Christ. What if all our life we looked out instead of in? It's so important Jesus walked out of the temple to give the rest of this sermon. Where his followers could look around and see the hungry, the sick, and the stranger that he wants them to love. He wants them to give instead of keep. To love instead of hate. Our culture is more. What do I have? Or what don't I have? I mean, that I want. You know, we often think of what we don't have. Well, Jesus taught us to live the other ways. To look at all that we have. And what could we possibly give? Many things. I want to show you just a two-minute little clip. A little news broadcast about a boy with autism in a high school, and what a, a team and a community and a school all did for him. And because I think it, it speaks to the spirit of what we're talking about here today. Watch this clip. What I love about this video is how this young man first, he gave himself to the team for years. He served as a manager. He helped the others to prepare. The school made way for that, and he did a great job. He cared for them, and they cared back for him and wanted him in that game to suit up. And they gave him the ball, and then he airballed it, and they gave it to him again. Then he missed his second shot. They gave it to him a third time. They all wanted him to do well and then he made the shot and then he made five more and when the buzzers, buzzer sounded they all ran out and embraced him that's what they were thinking about 
not the score. They were thinking about him. And they lifted him up. And I think this fits our scripture because it's building other people up. It's, it's putting somebody else ahead of ourselves. It's thinking about how can I pour into and give to. It's an other attitude. It's a giving spirit. And, it, and you know, it, it's, I just think it's, it's important for us to realize we can do this anywhere. We can do this every day. We can look around at the people who are around us right now. Who is the Lord asking us to love and to give to? What you do for the least of these, you do unto me. Jesus was saying he is personally moved when we show love to the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, the prisoner. This is where you should find the followers of Jesus. So in closing, I just want to give you a few prayers that you can pray every day if you want to live more like this. The first prayer is this. Pray that the Lord would show you who are the hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, stranger, and prisoner today. And really look for them. I think here of the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus saw her. He saw her five failed marriages and the fact that she was showing up at a well when no one else was there. He could see within that her loneliness, her shame, her regret, her sadness. And Jesus knew she was thirsty, thirsty for even more than just water. You know, this reminds us that sometimes we're called to literally feed the hungry. We do that with the backpack program or when we serve a meal at People City Mission or when we support different missions around the world where there's famine and other things going on. Very important to do. Sometimes we're literally called to give literal water, you know, to the thirsty. We do that when we dig wells in the Congo. You know, sometimes it's literal clothing that we're supposed to clothe people with. We do that with the community closet. We call literally with the sick in the hospital or or at home when we look after somebody. Sometimes it's literal. And we need to look at that first in the world. But sometimes the person that we're called to serve who's hungry, thirsty, naked, well, that could be spiritual, too. And it might be a person sitting next to you at school or your spouse at home or a stranger, a neighbor. So it goes a little deeper. And at the heart of this teaching is who are those who are in need around me and what has God given me to give? Ruth, she looked after her mother-in-law. Jesus saw the widow and the blind man. This has to be our first prayer if we desire to live more like this. Pray God would open our eyes to see the hungry of the world, the thirsty, naked, sick, stranger, and prisoner. Who are the ones with needs around? How can we give? How can we give to people in Ukraine? Many ways you can today. How can we help prisoners in our own state? RJ is doing it right now. Aaron Ruskamp is helping out on Monday nights with the reintegration program. What can we do for somebody battling addiction or a child who's, who's in a difficult home? You can do stuff. So Taking it from a sermon here to practical living begins with a prayer that you might pray at home with your spouse or with your kids or in your small group among your friends. Who are the people, Lord, in need? Help me to see them. The second thing we pray is, Lord, open my hands that I would give. Be willing to live with less so somebody else might have. For God will never ask you to give what he hasn't already given you. To give. I think of the Bible story of the boy with two fish and five loaves. He saw a hungry crowd. He was willing to open his hands and give his food away so that others might eat. And, and in the end, 
They all ate, including him. Jesus took care of it. But I love the story because the disciples don't think what the boy is offering there is anything. In fact, they laugh at him as, as insignificant compared to the great need. But Jesus gives thanks for that little boy's gift. And he multiplies it for a miracle, which teaches us something. All we're asked to do is give what we have. And the Lord will take care of the rest. I think of the poor widow who gave her two pennies in the offering plate. And Jesus said she's given more than anybody else. They've all given out of their wealth. She gave all she had to live on. I think of Mary with her perfume. I think of the early believers in Acts who sold land to give the money so that mission could happen at the church. You might have a bed or clothes or money or time or talents to offer. It might be a sacrifice, but pray that God would give you strength to open up your hands and to live with less so that somebody else might have. And then third and last, we must pray, Lord, help, help me to be able to bring some hope to somebody today. If our eyes are open to seeing and our hands are open to giving, then our last prayer is that our heart would be open and that their hearts would be open too. That the Lord might be seen in this. That in this gift of food or time or kindness or love, that somehow they would be connected to the source of that love, to the source of that hope, that the source of that life, which is Jesus Christ, God in us, that he is good and that he is faithful and that he loves us and that he loves them. We want everything we do, all the kindness we show to bring glory to God, that they might see him in this. And sometimes when we give, we and help, you know, boy, we can we can see that happen. Sometimes we can't see it. You know, sometimes we help and serve and it's a feel good experience. Other times, well, we don't even know if it made a difference or if they even appreciated it. But our hope is in Jesus Christ, that every gift we give, he sees it and that he can use it somehow for his glory. You know, in the end, all we do, we do for him and he sees it and he knows it. I'm working on this myself. I've noticed since COVID, you know, how I've always lived really my life in a hurry and in a worry. And, and COVID has forced me to slow down and to appreciate things more and to appreciate the moments as they come. And so I've tried as to, to keep this going a little bit as we now move out of some COVID stuff. I've tried to, to, to calm down and to slow down in my day, to not fill every hour with something, but to be intentional about not overscheduling so that I have time for the little interruptions of God that come up, the people he wants me to see, the strangers he wants me to care about, the opportunities. If I'm always in a hurry or always anxious, I will miss the little nudges of God to love the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the stranger, the naked, the prisoner. And so for me, these three prayers are very important to pray that my eyes be open, my hands be open to give, my heart be open and full of hope, knowing that God can take even the little things and do something with them. And I've noticed the more chances I have, the more I slow down. Some days, you know, it's, it's just bringing my wife a coffee at work. Other days, it's making a call to someone who I know could use a call. Another day, the Lord may lay on my heart to give a generous amount to an organization or family and trust that God will take care of us when we do. 
I just need to obey. And he always does the good work. When I take the time to pray and slow down, he shows me what to do, how to give. So I encourage you to give and not to let your love grow cold. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you are able to join us in worship again soon. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church programs and events, head to bccwaverly.org.